Inside the Arc, everyone. It is Alec Bussey, joined as always by Brandon Simberg. It is our favorite time of the week. We get to break down the NCAA tournament bracket. We're going to do that a little bit, but we're also going to talk about the Illini's first round matchup with Chattanooga, 13 seeded Chattanooga Mox. Illinois earns a four seed in the South region. Number one seed in that South region is the Arizona Wildcats, two seed the Villanova Wildcats. If you want to call this the region of Wildcats, go ahead, be my guest. Uh, but this is the best time of the year, Brandon. We get to talk about brackets. We get to talk about who we think could go far, who we think is going to get upset. Interesting matchups. Heck, we just spent like 15 minutes talking about it before we started recording. I love this time of the year. I love like the Monday, Tuesday before the NCAA tournament actually starts. Yeah, it's a great time. Like it does. I don't know. I don't think this will ever stop for me at any age. Just like when the bracket gets revealed, there's so much like juice and buzz and like, we have so many bracketologists now that like you can kind of see what's coming anyway. Like there's never like a ton of surprises, but like just seeing it official and starting to mentally fill it out in your head as it's like on TV, like, Oh, I kind of like this upset. Like there's just, I don't know. I feel like a kid in a candy shop to be cliche here, but like, it's just such a great feeling. There's a great like nervous energy that comes with selection Sunday, right? Like whether that's your seeing your team in Indiana, get their first bid since is it 17, 16, I think 16. Well, the caveat is we would have made it in 20, so I don't want to. Okay, whatever. Uh, first time, like Indiana getting in for the first time, or if you're a Kentucky fan, uh, who are you going to play? Obviously, you feel good if you're a Kentucky fan as a two seed, but even if you're like a one seed, right, with Illinois last year, like I think Illinois fans are like, all right, we're one seed. We locked that up after we won the Big Ten tournament. But like, who are we going to see in the second round? And I think everyone, when they saw Loyola Chicago, you're like, oh, shoot. And then it keeps going down. It's like, oh, wait, there's Kate Cunningham in Oklahoma State. Like, there's just such a great, like, nervous energy that comes with this time of the year in college basketball. And I think that's one of the reasons why we all love it so much and why it's so much fun. So let's kind of dive into it a little bit with the only matchup with Chattanooga. It's an interesting matchup. It's something that Chattanooga has things, I guess, that you could say Illinois has struggled with this year. They have a big guard um, and Malachi Smith, someone who's six foot four, around 200 pounds, uh, ironically enough, former high school teammates with EJ Liddell. We know what EJ Liddell has done in Illinois over the course of his career. Uh, Malachi actually won a state championship at Belleville West in his senior season after transferring across town from Belleville East. Something that Illinois struggled with a lot this year, Brandon, is big guards, but they also have kind of another interesting piece there as well with Sylvia D'Souza, obviously a pretty popular name, I guess you could say, or a common name that college basketball fans maybe know for the wrong reasons concerning what happened with uh, that brawl against Kansas State a couple of years ago when he was with the Jayhawks uh, picking up that chair. He ends up landing at Chattanooga and having a pretty decent year there, averaging double figures and points. What do you think about this matchup on the surface? Yeah, I, I just want to like start by saying that I hate this like and I knew this was going to happen regardless of like who Illinois was playing. Like Illinois could have gotten Nebraska in the first round. And I think everyone on Twitter would have been like, oh, Illinois got hosed. Like Chattanooga is, seems like a pretty good 13 seed. Like they see, you know, on the surface, they seem pretty good. They have a really good guard and a guy who used to be in the power five, like a power five big. But I, I don't know, man, they're a 13 seed. And like people said they didn't want to play Vermont, who has another in-state kid and like is really good. Providence is a, is a two-point favorite over their 13 seed, uh, South Dakota State, who's 30 and three. I would want to play a 31 team. Like, yeah, Chattanooga maybe isn't just a complete cakewalk, but 
no, like, you know, most 413 games probably aren't. Like it's it's Chattanooga. I we weren't hosts. Like we need we need to beat Chattanooga. I I don't I'm not discrediting them. I think they're like a decent team, but I would have rather seen Chattanooga than than uh South Dakota State. I don't know about Chattanooga versus Vermont, but like there's some okay 13 seeds. We're we're in I a fine spot. We did not get hosed. The committee does not hate Illinois. I think there's this just nervous energy amongst Illinois fans that exist because they haven't been to the second weekend since 2005, right? Like it's easy to find the bad matchup. It's easy to find the storylines, which I feel like everyone wants to avoid in the NCAA tournament, right? Like, let's just look at it off the bat, right? Like Chattanooga, they upset Illinois all the way back in 1997 to go to the Sweet 16 and Long Cougars first year. But if Illinois is to get to the second round, look who the likely head coach that they're playing is against Calvin Sampson, right? Like there's the stories there. And now you have Chester Frazier on staff and Chester bumps one of Calvin Sampson's former players who just so happens to be Eric Gordon, right? Like there's just so many storylines that are easy to connect and you always want to avoid the storylines. I feel like in the NCAA tournament, but it's so easy to connect dots everywhere, right? Like, I mean, look at it this way. I want to play in Chattanooga. You got the in-state kid kid who's probably exceeded his expectations in college, maybe has a chance to make an NBA two-way deal or something along those lines with Malachi Smith. You get Calvin Sampson in the second round. Just talked about that. You get a potential rematch with Arizona in the Sweet 16. And then on the bottom half of your bracket, you've got a Michigan team who I don't really think is very likely to make a run, but potentially rivalry there. You look even farther, you got an Ohio State team who I think is Illinois' maybe biggest rival when you talk about the back and forth nature that those two programs have had. And then you've got, of course, Loyola Chicago as a 10 seed who we know has the ability to win games in an NCAA tournament, right? And they played really well in the Missouri Valley. Like it's really easy to connect dots and just find these different connections in an NCAA tournament. And no one wants to see storylines, but that's what the NCAA tournament creates. That's what it is. And I think there's just a nervous energy amongst Illinois fans because they don't have a lot of confidence at this time of the year because they haven't won very many games at this time of the year. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, but yeah, going back to Chattanooga, like, you know, Malachi Smith's a good player. It's funny. I, I, he, he was in my high school uh, graduating class. Sim may or may not have been ranked ahead of him. No, no, no I never was. He was, always, he was always really good. But, like, he was always someone kind of, like, in the 10 to 20-ish range of the rankings. So it's like I, I followed his college career, and, I, you know, I noticed he was playing well this year um but you know that's a kid that would have loved to come to illinois i bet i mean he didn't have any power five offers like i don't, I don't really know if he loved illinois or anything but you know that's a kid who would have loved would have loved to come to illinois and he is a big guard like which has hurt us but like i do think it's a little bit different when it's like malachi branham who's an nba prospect versus a guy that's a mid to low major player like i think i feel fine putting trent fraser on him or demonte williams if we get good demonte williams like it's obviously not a great matchup and D'Souza is big and there's not many low major bigs that, or there's not many low major bigs that were once at freaking Kansas. Like that is an anomaly itself, but Kofi Coburn, like you are a player of the year candidate. You're an all American, you know, these are the kind of guys you got to dominate in the moments like this. And I feel confident he will. I, there was some stat that someone tweeted out about Chattanooga having a really bad, like, they allow a really high two point percentage or something. I think you maybe. Yeah, I think I sent it to you. I think it's, yeah, here it is. It's from Brad Evans. Uh, Chattanooga is number three hundred and thirty three in the country in two point percentage defense over the last month. Obviously, that's something that bodes well for Illinois when you look at what Kofi can do on the inside 
and you look at Andre Corbello's ability to get to the rim. Yeah. So like, again, like, and I think that's, I think it's a fine matchup for us. I think as long as we, um, as long as Illinois plays their game and, you know, you don't go, you know, you don't get two of 11 from Plummer and you don't get one of nine from Trent Frazier and you just get a, like a few shots from DeMonte Williams and Coleman Hawkins. Jacob Grandison, I don't really know what to expect. Uh, he's out of his sling from what I've seen on, you know, at the selection show and I bumped into him around the apartment complex. He was not wearing a sling. There's a, there's your insider scoop of the day. Um, and I don't know like how healthy he'll be. It was a shooting shoulder, but um, I, I think that Illinois should feel fine about Chattanooga. And if Illinois loses, I don't want to hear they got hosed by the committee. If Illinois loses to Chattanooga, then they just weren't that good. And like, they don't deserve to go any further. Yeah. I think, I think this entire narrative that like, I think you can make an argument that Loyola was poorly seated last year, considering they were top 10 in Ken Palm. But at the end of the day, they're a mid-major team coming out of a mid-major league that like, you got to beat that team. You, you Chattanooga, have to beat Chattanooga that to me is low major. Chattanooga is not even mid-major. I know like, like low major. I mean, I don't know where we draw the lines after like, stuff, right? But like, like this is that, the like, point. You're a four seed. They're a 13 seed. You're a seven point favorite, according to Vegas opening line. I think you're about a seven and a half point favorite by Bart Torvik. I think like five or six points by Ken Palm. Like you have to win that game. If you don't win that game, go home. Don't talk any crap. You got beat. Like at the end of the day, you have to be able to beat teams that you're supposed to be able to beat. And there's no reason that an Illinois team who is preseason ranked 11th in the country was in the top 25 for most of the 2022 calendar year, should have any business losing to Chattanooga. And that's no disrespect to Chattanooga. They clearly have a very good player in, Bel- in Malachi Smith. But you know more about, like, draft stuff than I do and, like, contract stuff. Like, he's had a very impressive year. He was in the draft com- He was in the draft last year. I don't think he went to the combine, but he went through workouts and he did all that stuff. Like, that clearly shows that he has some sort of interest and going to the NBA and NBA teams probably have some sort of interest in him as maybe a project type player. And they have talented players in D'Souza and they have other guys, obviously. And, you know, David Jean Baptiste, the guy who hit the prayer over Fordham for them to go into the NCAA tournament in the first place, right? Like they have talented players, but you have to beat that kind of team in the NCAA tournament. If you really want to be one of the best programs in the country. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, do we want to move on to the next? Three? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All so right. I, again, like in terms of the five seeds, I didn't want to see for Illinois. The only one I was really, I knew they wouldn't play Iowa um, just given the big 10 thing. I would have went off to Iowa again. They're playing really well. We maybe talk about them later, but I didn't want to see UConn. I think UConn is a big physical team that was hurt during the year and like kind of got better down the stretch. They got healthy and they didn't see UConn. There's any Houston team that, kind of peaked early in the year, has two starters out for the year with injury, including their, um, like, leading scorer, Marcus Sasser. They do have some tournament experience. They're scrappy, but they're a little bit undersized. I know they're, like, top whatever in offense and defense. And yeah, Kemp. they're top 10 in Ken Palm offense. I know the metrics support them, but, like, when I watch them, the eye test just for me does not. And they haven't been – I think they peaked too early. Like, they're not super big. They're going to be scrappy and tough and kind of like a junkyard, junkyard AAU team that's going to like that presses you and like, you know, tries to make you uncomfortable. 
But again, like Illinois wants to reach the point that they want to get to, like Houston is a team you should beat. And I'm not even sure I'm going to pick them to beat UAB. I kind of got to research UAB a little bit here, but you know, if, whether it's Houston or UAB, like, I think this is a good matchup for Illinois. Yeah. I mean, look, let's look at the other five seats. St. Mary's is a team that's been ranked in the top 25 all year. They beat Gonzaga. I mean, Houston's a team that's been ranked in the top 25 all year as well. Right. But like, that's not something that you particularly want to see either. I think that's a St. Mary's team that like you kind of said with uh, Richmond before we started recording. It's just old experience, not going to make a lot of mistakes. Well, well played, well coached, all those different things. You look in Gonzaga's bracket, you kind of hit on UConn a little bit, and then we can talk about Iowa, and that's a team that you obviously just aren't going to play in the round of 32 because of the conference deal that the committee likes to avoid in the round of 32. I think you got a pretty favorable matchup with a five seed. And if UAB gets out of that matchup with Houston, because like you said, they don't have a Marcus Sasser who's not going to play, and they're banged up, and they probably invested a bunch of energy to win the American Athletic Conference Championship on Sunday, you know, all of those things like add up. Maybe UAB is able to upset that. Maybe that's the 12-5 upset that we get every single year. That bodes well for you in the round of 32. If you're going to play a UAB, you should win that matchup. You should pound them inside with Kofi. I don't even know what conference UAB plays in. I'm sorry to any UAB fans that we have listening to this. I'm sorry. But that's a that's the type of matchup that you should win. I think you got a favorable matchup with the five. And honestly, I thought Illinois bracket in general was kind of favorable for a lot of the different teams in it if i'm being honest you're talking about their region yeah yeah i yeah i mean just looking at the bottom like tennessee's hot well they got probably the worst two seed in villanova with the best three seed in tennessee um but like i don't really know what i think of tennessee after they won the sec tournament like i can't decide if i think they're good or not colorado state was probably way overseeded as a six um, and I think they're good, but they're probably overseeded. You know, Loyola, Loyola Chicago's creeping. So is Iowa State. Um, <laughs> I don't know yeah, if Loyola, Loyola Chicago in the Elite Eight. Is it going to happen? I don't – no, it is not. It, <laughs> it is not. Um, yeah, I don't think this is a, a crazy tough region. Now, the caveat is they did get Arizona again and – that's that's interesting to me. Well, first of all, I think Arizona should have been the number one overall seed. I, I agree. I don't understand after winning the Pac-12 tournament how the, how they weren't. Um, but you know, would I think Illinois have rather seen Baylor? Yeah, Gonzaga. I think they'd rather probably have seen Gonzaga. I agree. I actually don't. Now that I like looked into Kansas, I really think it's good. Illinois avoided Kansas. Um, so, but like the point is, like you have to beat a one, you have to beat a one seed, right, to get to um, the elite eight. The elite eight, and it's you've seen Arizona before. You've played them close, so you're not scared of them. Not that I think this Illinois team would, would be scared of anyone anyway. I just don't like who. That's who, not how they're wired. That's not how Brown Underwood has them. Who, who does Kofi Cover and fear? Um, but Jack, maybe. Um, maybe. Like I, I don't think Kofi, I don't think this team is going to be scared of Arizona. They've seen them before. Um, we can like dive into that like potential matchup if we. And I do think Arizona will get past TCU or Seton Hall. But I don't think they're that scared of Arizona. Arizona's great. They're playing well. Kirk, your guy Kirk Reese is banged up too. My guy. Can I like, listen? I don't think Arizona. Okay, so 
I don't know. I have no Arizona sources. I have no knowledge of how bad Kirk Kreese's ankle injury is. I did watch them play in the Pac-12 championship and he was standing the entire time. Also, great. No one pulls off a polo, sweatpants, tucked into high crew Nike socks and Crocs better than Kirk Carissa. I mean, what a look. I mean, that guy, so much swagger. I mean, everyone says the U invented swag back in like the 80s. No, Kirk Carissa invented swagger. He pulls that off. That He pulled that off incredible. But I don't know how healthy he's going to be if he's not 100%. Do they play him against you know, Wright State or Bryant in the Sweet Six in that round of 64 matchup. I don't know. I will like to see Peter Kiss against Kirk Risa, though. I think that'd be awesome. That's a lot of angry energy going right at each other. Uh, I think it'd be fun, but I, I don't know if Arizona plays in that scenario. I think they got a pretty favorable 8-9 kind of situation with Seton Hall and TCU. I think those are two teams that are well-coached. Um, and quality basketball teams, but I think Arizona can handle both of them. I mean, we just saw Arizona beat UCLA without. Don't, don't tell, them. don't tell Maryland fans that Seton Hall is well coached because the idea of Calvin Willard coaching their team, at least on my Maryland timeline, has like them discuss it. So, um, don't tell what them. What doesn't have Maryland basketball fans disgusted with coaching? Seriously, not not to bring up Maryland basketball on the pod, but yeah, I'm just asking. Okay. Yeah. Back to back to back. Sorry for the moment of silence. Sorry. Okay. Like, I think that Arizona's probably sitting in a good spot to get the Sweet 16. But if you end up playing Arizona in the Sweet 16, you're playing with house money. You, you know you can play with them. You lost them in a pretty tightly fought game without your – who's supposed to be your second-best player, and Andre Carbello, who wasn't playing because that was when he had his concussion thing. You're playing with house money. You, you can play loose. You can let it fly, like Brad Underwood said. You might not get 52 combined points or whatever it is from Trent Frazier and Alfonso Plummer again, but maybe Ben Matherin doesn't finish with 30. Maybe Kofi gets to his 20 and 12 or 20 and 11. Like he didn't get to the first time they played. Like I, I think Arizona is best in the country, but at least if you're Illinois, you know, you can play with that team. Yeah. Again, I, I think Arizona beats Illinois eight to nine, 10, eight to nine times out of 10 on a neutral court. Think about marches. Maybe it's that one time Illinois does it. Um, but I also I don't think if Illinois like if Illinois somehow did like get past Arizona, like, I don't think it's a lock. They're going to the Final Four. We talked about Tennessee. They're playing really well right now. Think think there would be a worse match for us than Villanova. Just because they're, they're giant, they're athletic. They're gonna have dudes to throw at everyone. Um, like Kennedy Chandler is like their version of Trent. They don't have a Kofi per se, but they have a bunch of big dudes. And I don't know if like Villanova, like they, 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 they won the biggest tournament this, this weekend. And it's not great. It's not sexy. There's no pros. They take a, they take so many threes, but just talking about Jay Wright and Colin Gillespie and March that, you know, would be scary. So like, I think Illinois got like, Illinois didn't get like hosed in the sense that they have Arizona, Tennessee and Villanova at the bottom, because there's not like, I think the one, two and three seeds this year, are all pretty good, except for a few, like, there's a few teams I'm like, eh, but for the most part, I think the gap between the one and three, I think it falls off at the four line. I think the gap between the one and three I agree. is not that big. And so and I think there's maybe a couple one seats who have maybe separated themselves. Like I think Arizona probably separated themselves. If you want to tell me Kansas separated themselves a little bit, you can convince me of it. I think Gonzaga separated themselves, but like, I think there's 
two or three one seeds that really kind of separated themselves. And I would not put Kansas in that group. Personally, I would make it Arizona and Gonzaga. But yeah. I agree with you at the end of the day. Like, I think the one and two line are essentially the same thing. Yeah. I, it's, it's so like, there's no region where if Illinois was the four, where I would look at the bottom and be like, oh, like this is a cakewalk. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, one region, it could be Kansas, Auburn, and Wisconsin. I don't think Wisconsin will get there. One region, it could be Baylor, Kentucky, and Purdue. I don't think Purdue's going to get there. Like, we know Purdue matched up with them. The other region, it could be Gonzaga, Duke, and Texas Tech. Like, there just was no region where Illinois, like, was going to have a clear path to the Final Four. To get to where they want to go, they're going to have to take care of business against teams they should beat and then get hot and play, like, the top 10 team a lot of people thought they were – the, were they ever in the top 10 this season? The AP I think they were in the top 10 in the second AP poll of the season. Yeah, the top 10 team, they once were, according to a bunch of uh, writers. So, yeah, it's a bunch of writers. Well, you know, I don't, I'm not like, this is not an AP, this, this podcast does not support the AP poll per se, but. Um, no, it doesn't. But, but yeah, you know, they. There's better ways to measure teams. They have, they have it in them. I think at their A game, but who else, like, you know, who else brings their A game and can they bring their A game? And we'll see. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, you kind of want to make this like a four team tournament each round. Like, I think that's something that Duke did for the longest time, or maybe still does where in Illinois case, it's you versus Chattanooga and Houston against UAB. And the winner of those four teams advances. I think that's an effective strategy for coaches to kind of, employ on the team because I think you can get overwhelmed by looking at the entire region that you're in or even the entire tournament like that's 68 teams right like I think it's easy to get overwhelmed by that so just focus on beating Chattanooga if you beat Chattanooga handle your business against either Houston or UAB and you should win that game you should feel good about your opportunity to get to the sweet 16 because you're probably going to be favored in both of the games that you're going to play because you have the best player on the court in both of those games. And he's the only player in college basketball, or at least the only high major player in college basketball that averaged 20 points and 10 rebounds a game. And he should, he should feast. He should eat and he should feast. And we've got Andre Carbello, who I think has started to play a little bit better down the stretch. Coleman Hawkins is playing with more confidence that he's probably played with in his entire Illinois career. I mean, how many times over the last several weeks of the season have we said oh Coleman Hawkins played his best game of the season I mean like off the top of my head he played his best game of the season against Ohio State when Illinois lost I think he may have outdid himself a little bit against Michigan probably not he probably played better against Ohio State but had his best game of the season against Iowa which was probably his best game of the career and then he outdid himself again against Indiana in the Big Ten tournament and that was his best game of the career with four threes like Coleman Hawkins is playing with more confidence than you've probably ever had in that kid and that's something you should be, be feeling good about going down the stretch. So you have, you have him. He's a matchup nightmare defensively for a lot of teams. You can put him on different people when you're on defense. That's an advantage. I'm not saying he guards Malachi Smith for long stretches, but if you really want to put him on Malachi Smith in the first round because he's six foot 10 and Malachi Smith is six foot four, six foot five. If you think Coleman can stay in front of him, by all means do it if you, if you have to. If that's what you have to do to slow down Malachi Smith, because he's got 17, 18 points with eight, nine minutes left in the second half, do it. If, this is when you have to employ your best players in your best situations, because this is when matchups become 
the most important. Yeah, I, I yeah, we haven't really talked about the Big Ten tournament, which uh, you know it's in the past, but we can talk about some X's and O's here. You just want Alec, a chance. You just want a chance to talk about Indiana, Alec. Yeah, so I think you mentioned it, but Indiana beat uh, Illinois in the in the uh, quarterfinals in the eight one. We we are on episode. What episode? How does it make you feel? How does it make you episode, feel that what, what a team with a seventeen and fourteen record that you beat? And the conference tournament is still in the tournament before you are. Well, hold on. This is episode 58 of our podcast. And there has not been a higher point for Indiana basketball than this episode. They have not been in Illinois in these 58 episodes. You realize, you realize in Trace Jackson Davis's college basketball career, he has two combined wins against Illinois and Michigan, probably two of the better programs probably the two best programs in the Big Ten over the last three years when you really look at it. He has two combined wins, and they came on back-to-back days in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, and they, they were down 17 to Michigan. Like, it, yeah, this is the high point of Indiana basketball. Ever. Of our, of our podcast. Ever? Of our, Ever? In my heart, it feels like it. But in our podcast, <laughs> in our four years of college, this is the high point of Indiana basketball. Um, so I just want to give a shout-out to myself. Uh, as the Indiana, as a person that's taken shit for two years on this podcast now, but Indiana, and I take it in stride. I think we suck. I did not think we were going to beat. I, I never think we we're going to win. Did not think we we're going to be either team. Uh, so yeah, just wanted to get that out there. But back to Illinois, since this is an Illinois podcast. Well, like, real quick with Indiana, are they going to get out of the play-in round? No, my answer is no. I I would never. I would. I'm not going to tell you. Indiana could be up 20 in the national championship with two minutes left, and I'd be like, I still think we're going to lose. So. No, I'm not going to pick them to win anything. Really? Because I think they're going to beat Wyoming. I've been and quite uh, frankly, I think they're going to beat St. Mary's. Um, I've been too disgruntled, man. I, I don't, I've been too disgruntled. I can't speak logically about them. Um, We're going to yeah. have the best player on the court. Xavier Johnson's playing with so much confidence. Come on. Have some faith in Woodson. Pick them. Pick them. I'm no, I'm picking, I'm picking Wyoming and I'm picking Wyoming over St. Mary's. And if Indiana gets to St. Mary's, I'm picking St. Mary's. I just have no confidence. Sorry. Reverse jinx. Call what you want. I'm just, <laughs> nope, I'm not picking, not picking Indiana. But all anyway, right. All right. From, fine. from the Big Ten tournament, yeah, I think Coleman Hawkins's emergence has given us some interesting uh, lineup, it's given, it's given Illinois some interesting lineup things to talk about. If Jacob Grandison is back, A, what percent is he at? And obviously, I think Brad Underwood and the coaching staff will know that. So they'll know how many, like, minutes to give him or what, you know, he can do. But Jake Grandison's back. Like, does he get his starting spot back? He was really good. Do they try Coleman and Jake and just play really big and more shooting? Um, does Coleman go back to the bench? And, like, do like what does that do for him and his confidence? Like, I'm super curious to see. And now Jake might not be 100% and might just come off the bench anyway. But I'm curious to see now, like, what they do. But I would not move Coleman Hawkins out of the starting lineup. I would. If Jake's back, I'd, I'd, I would I would probably start Jake. I would start Jake, too. Oh, so you would move Demonte Williams out of the starting lineup. Yeah, I would. See, the reason I wouldn't do that is because then my then my then I don't think my bench has enough scoring punch. No, I think Curbella can give you, you know, 10, 12, maybe 15, if he's really feeling it one day. But I, I wouldn't do that. I would I would bring Coleman off the bench. Although if you were to tell me, well, he just had his best game, his two best games of the year in the starting lineup. I want to keep that confidence going. 
I'm going to keep him in the starting lineup. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that. I was thinking about that in the shower today, actually. Shower, shower thoughts from Alec are always deep. Yeah. So I, I'll be curious to see what they do, but I, again, this is a Coleman Hawkins podcast. We looked really smart when we were playing exhibition teams. And then I kind of took crap the entire year because Coleman wasn't playing that much or doing that much. And now Coleman's back. So our Coleman stock has been revived. We never sold it, but no, I think he's going to be a super important piece for them because he needs to hit open threes. So we, they can't teams just can't double off of Kofi and he needs to continue to guard other teams. Well, best that's players. where it could be really big against Chattanooga, right? Because Chattanooga is so bad defensively against two point field goals, but they are pretty good against three point field goal defense. So you're going to have to crash on Kofi. So Coleman making four and I think five of his last nine or something like that. I don't know. I'd have to go look at what he did against Iowa. Like, and I don't like using the word confidence all over the place with players, but you can at least tell that he's shooting it with more confidence. I, I think like he's more confident. The ball's at least going to go in. There was a lot, there was a long stretch there where I felt like he wasn't confident shooting the ball and he passed it away to other people because he wasn't thinking it was going to go in or he didn't think it was the right play. Now I think he's like, you know what? This is the right play. I'm letting it fly. And if it goes in, it goes in. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And I think a great example of that is the one three that he missed at the end of the game against Indiana in the Big Ten quarterfinals. He misses, he makes the one to put Illinois up and then has another opportunity to put Illinois up again and kind of be a dagger and it just hits off the rim and it doesn't go in. But at least he had confidence to shoot that shot. That's something that Alfonso Plummer didn't have at the end of that game, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, all right. Do we want to talk about any any other like Big Ten things stick out to you from the initial bracket reveal? Uh, real quick, I don't. I know Iowa's become like the trendiest pick in the world to go to the Final Four. I don't think they beat Kansas in the Sweet Sixteen. I think Ochai and Braun is better than Murray squared. Uh, so I'll move to Kansas over Iowa in the Sweet Sixteen. I also think that Purdue is going to get upset in the round of 32 by either Texas or Virginia Tech. I don't know which one, but it's going to be one of them. Probably sign with Virginia Tech. Give me Mike White. Um, he's a good coach. Those are my two biggest takeaways. Oh, and Foster Lawyer's revenge tour against Tom Izzo has begun. Yeah, Iowa's become super public. I think they got a nice draw just given people are like not worried about – people are not um, – People are not worried about Providence. So like, you'd think they got a nice draw in theory, but I, I'm with you. I think Kansas is a bad matchup for them. I have them out in the Sweet 16. Wisconsin got a really nice draw. Um, I know people were upset they were a three seed. We had Mike DeCourcy on to tell us why Wisconsin was a three seed. Also, shout out to Mike. I think he, of all the bracketologists, he had the most teams per, like right in the field with 67 of 68. Wow, good so, friend. Shout out to Mike. Shout out to you for getting I think a lot of people put Texas A&M in. Yeah, so I'm going to get to the Michigan, like the bubble stuff in a second. Um, yeah, Wisconsin. Colgate could be interesting for them, but like again, if you're if you Wisconsin, like you have you have to be Colgate. And then they get LSU as their six, who just like they literally just fired their head coach as like two days ago. Versus what is Iowa State team. athletic department. They they get the winner of LSU versus Iowa State, who like is terrible to me. Uh, they've just fallen off lately. They're in the tournament because of what they did early in the year. And it's in Milwaukee. Like, Wisconsin just has a path to the Sweet 16. And obviously, I'm a huge Auburn fan. But, you know, they're they're beatable. 
They, like they could lose to Miami theoretically. So like Wisconsin got a really nice path to me. That's why I wouldn't shock if they were the big 10 team that went the furthest. Uh, yeah. The committee loves Michigan state in storylines. You do a foster lawyers revenge game. And then you have the potential coach K revenge farewell tour. If they get past that game, if they get past that game, they have Texas tech who beat them in the final four, three years ago. So Michigan state, a lot of storylines. And then lastly, I just, I think the, I think the committee overrated the big 10. I really don't. Do you, are you surprised? Oh, I'm not surprised, but <laughs> looking at like, first of all, Michigan was 17 and 14. How and do you get in the tournament with the record? Just three games over 500. It just, and it makes no sense to me. And they didn't even get a play in game. Like, like, I understand their metrics are good, and they've got Hunter Dickinson, but, like, come on. Like, come on. That means they were firmly in the tournament, even after losing to Indiana. Like, I, that means they were never in the last four in, in my opinion. Yeah, it maddened to me. And then Rutgers, too. I know, like, people like Rutgers is a super weird team, but, like, compared to the Rutgers at Texas A&M, uh, Texas A&M's 35 higher in the net. They're 31 higher in Ken Palm. They're, it's like 40 higher in Bartorovic. Uh, they had a better, or I guess they had a worse, they were four and nine in quad one. Rutgers was six and six. But Rutgers was four, three and four in quad two. And Texas A&M was five and oh. They made it to the final of the SC championship. Like uh, Texas A&M to me was just a weird. I, and I know the conference tournament thing doesn't matter. But you're still stacking wins. I just, I, I just gave, I just gave a ton of shit as to why, like you know, season long shit. So we'll see. And then I think I just bashed on, I just bashed on Michigan and Rutgers. But I actually think they got nice matchups, like Colorado, Michigan, Colorado State, who I think is a good team, but they don't really have the size for Dinson. So it wouldn't shock me if Michigan won a game. And Rutgers has a plan with Notre Dame who I don't think will be able to handle the physicality. I don't think is that good. And the Rutgers played Alabama, and every Alabama game is decided by Alabama. It's like if Alabama wants to make 23s, the Rutgers isn't going to win. If Alabama's going to miss every three, Rutgers could win. So both teams can end up in the round of 32 conceivably when I didn't think they even deserved to get in. Yeah, I think Colorado sales struggled with Hunter Dickens in size, so Michigan will end up probably getting in the round of 32. Uh that is it Dennis Roddy? Is that his name for Colorado David State? Roddy. David Roddy. He's a really good player, but they don't have any size to deal with them. I don't think Michigan's good, but they're talented. So it's one of the things with them that like I don't even I don't even think I don't use that word with them anymore. I just flat out don't think they're good. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Like I don't really think Michigan's very good. I think that yeah. I think you said a lot of what I said. I don't know if Rutgers gets past Notre Dame. They probably should. I probably would bet on them to get past Notre Dame because I do think that they're better than Notre Dame, even though Notre Dame has Wesley. But I don't know. There's this thing that goes around about the Big Ten and its depth and them getting in nine teams in back-to-back years, and that's the most that the Big Ten or any other Power Five or Six Conference has ever gotten. This year's Big Ten is nowhere near as good as last year's Big Ten. And it's the third best conference at best, in my opinion, behind the Big 12 and the SEC, probably in that order. And the reason that 
you want you can say the Big 12 is better. Like the Big 12, like top to bottom is, in my opinion, the best league. And the SEC, if you were to argue with me that the Big 10 is better than the SEC because of the depth of the league, that's fine, I guess. But I would argue that I think the top teams in the SEC are so much better than the top teams in the Big 10. And yeah, like each league has absolute bottom feeders in it. Like the SEC's bottom feeders are just worse. I don't know. I think the SEC's a pretty good league. And I think that it's better than the Big 10, but it doesn't get as many teams in it because the bottom half of that league is just really bad. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. AM was like ninth or whatever, eighth or ninth. I think they're better than Rutgers, Michigan, and Indiana, and they didn't get in, but we'll see. Um, the tournament isn't the end-all be-all for this stuff, but yeah, I think the, the Big Ten's got to show up this year. And so I guess my final... All right, let me get out, let's get out of here on this. How many Big Ten teams make this Sweet 16? There's nine that got in. Looking at my bracket, I have Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin. I actually have Purdue losing Virginia Tech right now, so I have three. I haven't done a bracket yet, which is weird as we record this on Monday afternoon. I think I would probably side with those three. I could see Purdue doing it, but I don't think they will. Yeah, Purdue like, is like Purdue is the obvious one that could do it. Um, I don't have a single Big Ten team, I think, getting to the Elite Eight, though. No. I, uh, we talked about Kansas versus – so we both have Illinois losing to Arizona. Yeah. Um, yeah, we talked about Iowa for Kansas. We talked about Illinois for Arizona, and we talked, and then Wisconsin, Auburn. You know, it, they're just going to run to better teams. Um, I will say though, this is my like my. We've talked about Purdue a lot on this pod. This is my final Purdue stance. I think they're just. I just think they're kind of losers. Like I just don't think they have. They have losing takes. habits. They just yeah, like they just don't have what it takes to win these games, and that's how they end up with no Big Ten title and no Big Ten championship. But again, if there was one Big Ten team to make the Final Four, I would say it's them over Iowa. I just think it's going to be zero. Like, yeah, they, they put it together and got hot and figured out some losing habits. It would be them. I just think the losing habits will bite them earlier. Yeah, no, I agree. All so right, you know, everyone. You know, the last one. You don't. You don't have a Final Four right now. No, but I do have a national title. Okay. That's a lie. I have a national champion. <laughs> I think I do have a national title game. I think my national title game is going to be Arizona over Gonzaga. Because I picked Gonzaga before the season win the national championship. I've kind of said for the longest time, really until the Pac-12 championship, that I thought that Gonzaga was the best team in the country. And then I kind of flipped. And I've always kind of thought Arizona was right there in the top five, top three range. And then they beat UCLA without Kirk Carissa on a neutral floor. That bumps Arizona over Gonzaga for me. So I'm going to make Arizona my national champion here. Yeah, it's it's crazy. We, all year on this podcast, we are like, I think this is the best team. Maybe this team. Maybe this team. We never really saw eye to eye. I was never really in on Arizona. The Pac-12 championship did it for me. I have Arizona beating Auburn in the Final Four, for sure. I have that locked in. And I have Arizona winning the title. I just, and then I think I have UCLA in my Final Four as the third team. But I think the winner of Duke Gonzaga, because that's who I have in my Elite Eight, call me chalky, call me crazy, call me boring. I don't know. Uh, I think the winner of Duke Gonzaga will get to the title game. So we could have the same title. The storylines. That's, that's Coach the K last in a national thing. championship game. That's the last thing, too. 
like under uh, underdogs and Cinderella's are fun, but you look at the teams who could like theoretically be playing down the line. It's like UCLA could have a historic program, Kentucky, Duke, Gonzaga. There's a lot of storylines. They've been a dominant program recently, Arizona. Like there's some fun stories. Kansas is obviously historic. There could be a lot of blue blood, like big time, big name teams down the stretch. And I know that's boring for some people, but the discourse and discussion could be really fun. Yeah, let's get out of here on this, um, and we can call that our buzzer beater. The best part about the round of 64 and the round of 32 is the upsets and the close games. But when you get to the Sweet 16, you realize those upsets were not the greatest thing for your viewing experience on the second weekend because a lot of times those double-digit seeds, they don't really stand much of a chance in the Sweet 16, and it leads to less enjoyable games on the second weekend. So, yeah, root for your upsets in the round of 64. Those are fun but maybe don't root for a super long Cinderella team to make it to the second weekend. Cause those teams often don't do very well in the sweet 16. Yeah, I I'm with you. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of inside the arc. We might try and get another one here before only officially plays in the round of 64 against Chattanooga 13 seeded Chattanooga. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode of inside the arc. We appreciate it. Have a good one. Enjoy your week of the NCAA tournament. It's the greatest weekend of the year.